Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. My name is Dre Baldwin. I'm a former nine-year pro athlete and author of 29 books. I created this whole brand and philosophy, and now it's the name of my company also called Work On Your Game. It's all about taking the mental tools that help you succeed in sports to get to that top 1% in the sports world and then leveraging those tools over to the business world and everyday life and also, of course, serving some athletes. So when it comes to uh, what I do in the business world, specifically when it comes to tactical growth and branding, which is the theme here today on Breakfast with Champions, I just just created a ton of content. I started blogging in 2005. I started putting videos that were uh, 100% basketball related on this brand new website called YouTube, also in 2005. And that's really where my brand began. I drew a whole audience of basketball players who just knew this guy who nobody knew who I was, but I was putting out these videos that could help players practice basketball. And that's how I started to get known on the internet. And then it was probably around 2009, 2010, when I started creating my own products and players just started asking about my mindset because they just saw me put these videos out every day. And this is just when it's starting to become cool to put content on the internet every day. I had been doing it for five years already. And when they found out my backstory, just in sports, they would ask me things like, man, what keeps you coming to the gym every day to work out? Or how can you perform in front of an audience? Same way you do in front of no nobody in practice. How do you keep trying when you had so many failures in your sports career? Or how do you get started? Just getting known online and getting your name out there, which a lot of people have that question even to this day. So I started answering those questions in my content, and I started talking about things like discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative. And those, those principles became the foundation of this whole thing that I have now called working your game. And what I'm going to talk about here today because Patricia and I, we connected probably about eight, nine, nine months ago. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago here on Clubhouse, uh, just in rooms talking about things like books and branding and business. And today what I want to talk about are the 10 essential roles of you incorporated. So what this topic is about is for anyone, because I get asked this question often, anyone who wants to get their name out there on the Internet or maybe your name's already out there, but you want to sustain 
having your name out there. You want to take the knowledge that is in your head and you want to get it out there into the world to where other people can get value from it. And of course, because we are talking about business here, you want to get value in exchange for it. You want to be able to uh, leverage the knowledge that is in your head and your intellectual property or your skills or your experiences. Same things you've been hearing about in the first hour here today. Whatever is those and actually make money from it, hopefully in a sustainable, consistent fashion. So what I'm going to lay out here today is for any of you who wants to be in the media space, and I think everyone here does, or even if you don't, you're already in it because you're here on Clubhouse, you're using, I guess what we can call it as a social media platform. And taking what you know and translating it into something that other people can get value from and that eventually, hopefully, they'll pay you for it, right? Trisha, just a few minutes ago, she got paid for sharing her knowledge with someone who appreciated it. And how we're going to do this here today, Trisha told me that uh, we got about an hour of space to fill here. Last week, I thought we only had 15 minutes. So I finished in 15 minutes and then realized we had 45 minutes to fill. So we won't make that mistake this week. This is the way that we'll do it. And Trisha, you can help me out with this, please. I have 10 points that I'm going to go through here today, actually 11. Now, in between any of these 11 points, if anyone has a question or a comment or something they want to share, please just flash your mic. And Patricia, you can just interrupt me and uh, direct whoever it is that has the question or comment to ask their question or comment. We'll address it and then we we'll get back to the points. And hopefully we get through all 11. If we don't, then maybe we'll go through them at a later date. So all that is good and I will go right into it. So the first thing, when we talk about the roles of you incorporated, first thing you're going to need is an ideas person. Now, while this one sounds pretty common sense, quote unquote, pretty trite, pretty simple, it's not as easy as it sounds on the surface because most of us, when we start creating our content, we create our brands, we create our business, usually we have an idea. We already have an idea. Well, I have this story that I want to tell. I have this thing that I went through or I have this knowledge that people are always asking me about. So that's our idea. We want to build our business around that, and that's fine. The challenge is once we put that out and people know us for it, now what are you going to come back with next? What's the next thing that you're going to say? What's the next thing you, that you're going to deliver? I, this is something I heard people say about the music industry, is that usually an artist's second album is often not as good as their first album. And the reason why the second album is not as good as the first is because if you're 25 and you got your first record contract, you had 25 years worth of material to pull from to make that first album. Now your second album is coming out a year and a half later. You only have 18 months. So it's much harder to do it the second time around than it is the first time. Then the third time around, which relates to my newest book, which is called The Third Day, which is a decision that separates the pros from the amateurs, is when you get to that point where, man, all that great ideas that I had that lit the fire to make me start this business or start writing my book or start putting myself out there on the internet, man, I used them all up. All right, now what am I going to do? So someone in your business, this first role, there has to be some, and you can fill all these roles yourself if you want to, by the way. So if any of you is a solopreneur, it's just you. I uh, have been a solopreneur. I'm not technically not a solopreneur anymore. I have people who work for me. I have contractors who I bring in at different times for different things. But at any point, I can step in and fill any of these 10 roles I'm going to do here today. I'm going to talk about here today. You can fill all these yourself. There needs to be an idea person. You need to have a, a deep well of ideas so that you always have something that you can share, always have something that you can give to your audience, always have something that can provide value. I heard a speaker one time say, listen, if you want to be known as a, a speaker, you should be able to, somebody should be able to call on you at any minute, unprompted, no preparation, and you can give a 
20-minute speech on a topic and give people real value to where they're like, wow, that was actually really good. In your area of expertise, I second that idea. In your area of expertise, you should be able to step into a room with no prompting, no preparation, no notes, and speak for 20 minutes on the subject and be able to give that audience value. The only way you can do that is you have to have enough ideas, enough content in your, in your well of ideas, so to speak, that you can do it. And one thing that I do, the crutch that I use, if you will, is I use Google Docs, very simple crutch, free document software that everyone has access to. And every time I have an idea for content, I write it down. So all my podcast ideas, I write down. I have a daily podcast called Work On Your Game. It's out every single day. It's been going for, we're almost at 2,000 episodes. I put over seven, 8,000 videos on YouTube. I've been blogging, as I told you, since 2005, and I've written all my books. It's not because I'm just this genius. I'm not a, what's the guy's name? Jim Quick with the, the memory champion. I'm not that. I write everything down. I have a poor, I have that same memory as everybody else. But because I write all my ideas down, that's the way that anytime I need to create something, I need a new article here. I need to send it out. I need to post something on Instagram. I'm not just thinking those up out of thin air, even though I, I wish I could take credit for that. I'm not. I just go to my well of ideas I already have written down and I pull something from there and that's what I put up. I heard somebody on mic, somebody about to speak. It's me, Dre. So I was just going to add on to that. So it's become a, a kind of a funny thing in our house is these Breakfast of Champions rooms, which are Build a Brand with a Book, actually started in another room, what, five weeks before we came in here, is I call them sermons. <laughs> and the big thing around here is like mom's working on her sermon, right? And so I script these. When, you know, we and I'm sure most people who come into this room to speak, um, that's why the programming here is so amazing, is people have taken the time to script it out. And I do it in Google Docs, and I script it out, and then I have that content to use for a YouTube video, for Instagram. Um, now they're doing podcasts for us in here. And so capturing those ideas and repurposing them over and over and over again is, you know is such an amazing idea and you can put all those Google apps on your phone and link them all up. And so you never lose an idea and you can use the mic function too. If you're driving, you have a great idea, you can add to those Google docs. So I love how practical this tip is that so many of us don't do and we lose these amazing ideas. So thanks, Dre. Absolutely. And this, the ideas thing is so important, especially for anyone who's going to be in a thought thought leadership space you want to sell your intellectual property because something that got mentioned here earlier, Patricia, like you talked about the speaking from the, what was it? The scar, not the wound. And you said you've told, you've talked about that three different times here already. I've heard you tell that story before, but I hear something different in it every single time. And there's something important for all of us thought leaders that we don't have to pull a rabbit out of the hat every single time. You don't have to come up with a brand new idea every time. And it's funny, it's something that I used to tell athletes because I would put these, these basketball videos on YouTube back in the day. And these players would say to me, well, and they would see, see me doing all these different drills every day. But then when they would see me playing the game, they would say, well, Dre, you're not doing all those different moves. That variety of moves you put out, move number 1,000, you didn't do that in the game. Why, why not? Why are you doing the same two or three moves over and over again in the game? And I would explain to them, well, listen, the object of the game is to win. The object of what I'm doing in practice is just to add to my toolbox. So I have those things at my disposal and I use them if and when I need them. I don't have to pull out something new every single time just for the purpose of pulling out something new. 
the thing that works is the thing that works and we keep using it until it doesn't work. And that's why the ideas are important. Even the things that you've already used, you still want to keep those. For example, I'm putting together a live event that's going to be in January of next year. And what I do when I'm putting that event together, I just figure out what's the main theme going to be. And then I look through my content that I've already put out. And I just search through keywords and say, oh, you know what? I talked about that two years ago. Let me, I'm going to do a whole segment on that in my live event. Or that one right there, that can be a chapter in my next book. Or that right there. I like that article. Let me trim it down. I'm going to use it as my Instagram caption for a post that I put out today. So using the ideas, and I guess you can call them repurposing or recycling, but the only person, only people that really know that you're repurposing or recycling is really you. Because as I believe was Patricia said this earlier, most of your audience is not paying attention to every single thing that you put out. And even if they are, they're not remembering every single thing you put out. And anything that they do remember is because they liked it so much that they want to hear you talk about it again. So don't think that just because you put out some content that was great and everybody responded to it, that you should never say it again because they'll get mad. Like, oh, we heard that before. The things that they love, they want to hear more than once. I mean, it's the same reason why we go to a music artist concert, even though we know all the words to the song, we can listen to it on our phones for virtually for free. Why do we go to the concert? Because we know what they're going to say. That's the main reason why we show up. So ideas, very important. And this is a continuous ongoing thing. You are signing yourself up for a lifelong job of producing ideas when you put yourself out there in the media space. So that's point number one, ideas. Number two is the structuring of your idea into digestible format. Now, this is different from point number one because this second point is what I'll call codification. This is where you are codifying your knowledge. In other words, taking the things that you know, that you've experienced, that you have seen, heard, and that you can do, and you are packaging them into some type of format. And when I say, I'll explain format in a minute, that a consumer can digest, understand, and get value from. That's the whole skill of codification. And in case anyone didn't know it, codification is the skill that gets you paid. Again, the things that you know how to do is that's one thing that can, if you know how to do something, you can get a job. When you know how to explain something to another person to where they know now know how to do it, now you have a business. Those are two different things. You know how to do something that you can work with someone else and they can pay you for your, for your time. But when you can explain it to someone else and now they can do it, now you have a business opportunity on your hands and that's the codifying. So knowing things is, for example, I, can, I understand discipline of showing up every day and doing the work, but it was when I was able to codify that knowledge into a couple of my books, uh, write my newest book, where I can explain to people, okay, here's how you can employ discipline in your own life. Here's how you can use what I learned in sports and you can use it as an entrepreneur, even if you never picked up a ball in your life, that codification makes it digestible. So now I can put that into a podcast, a YouTube video, a blog post, an Instagram post, a presentation here on Clubhouse or a chapter in a book. That's when I become a business person because now people are looking at me, not only are they looking at me and saying, wow, it's, it's impressive what that person can do, but they're saying, oh, this person can show me how to do it. They can show us how to do it. You know what? Let me tune into this person. Let me buy what they're selling. Let me uh, follow wherever they're posting because now I'm helping you die. I'm helping you understand my knowledge and apply it yourself. And this skill right here of codification, again, is the, the key that separates uh, knowing stuff from being able to teach things. And those are two different levels of expertise is when, because when you get to the point that you can teach something to somebody else and they can understand it, that's when you really know it. 
I tell people that you don't really know something until you've done it and you don't truly know it until you can teach it. And that's the digestible level is the second point, structuring your ideas into a digestible format. Again, audio, visual, written, however you like, but other people have to be able to understand it. So as our first two ideas and the second one is structuring slash codification. Are we good? Any questions there, Patricia, before I move on to number three? I think we're good. All right, so we'll move on to point number three. Number three is the talent. Talent means who is going to actually put this stuff out there? Who's going to perform it? If you want to put a book out there, who's going to sit down and actually write the book? If you want to, pod, you want to have a podcast, who's going to be on the mic doing the podcast? If you want to be a speaker, who's going to get on stage and actually do the speech? Usually this one is pretty simple that we're the ones that decide we're going to do it. However, you do have to develop the ability to actually perform. All right, this performance, this is a performance-based business. And this one, again, another idea that I got from the sports world is that the great thing about sports as compared to any other aspect of life is it's the closest thing to a meritocracy you're ever going to see because everything is based on performance. In sports, we have a scoreboard. It's not based on anyone's opinion. It's not based on anybody's feelings. It's not based on anyone's uh, political preference or gender affiliation. It is based on what those numbers say on that scoreboard. It is a performance-based business. And in the business world, and you incorporated, putting yourself out there, you have to be able to perform. If you want to be a speaker, you have to get on that stage and give a great presentation. Otherwise, you're not going to get booked again. If you put a book out there and people don't like the performance of your book, so to speak, it's going to be hard for you to sell the next book. What, if you have a podcast, people need to enjoy listening to your show. They're going to subscribe and listen to the next episode. So this performance part does matter. Having the ideas, having the knowledge, having a burning desire to help people and all of those things are great. But until you can put it all together and actually perform under the lights, as we say in the sports world, and may even say it in the speaking world, because those lights are bright too, is people are not going to, your skill and your value is not really going to land with an audience until you get out there and perform. So do you have the talent and the skill to actually get out there and perform? So when I say talent here, I'm just asking who's going to be the performer? Who's going to be the front person? Who's going to be the face of this whole thing that you're putting out there. So if it's just you, then I guess you don't have too much, not too much trivia in figuring this out. But if there's more than one person, this may be a question you want to answer. All right, who's going to be the person that goes out and does the, the media appearances? Who's going to do the interviews? Who's going to do the writing? Who's going to be on the video on the sales page on our website? Is it going to be any of us? Maybe we'll hire somebody else. Maybe we'll never show our faces. But this is a question that does need to be answered. Who's going to be the talent that actually puts your work out into the world that is the interface between the inside of your business and the outside world, the people who come to know your business. Now, if you're going to be a thought leader, that's then 99.9% .9 sure it's going to be you. You're going to be that talent. And understand, once you call for that attention, as they say, you can't hang up. All right, now everybody's watching you. Everybody's listening to you. People are going to be paying attention to you. People are going to want to be in your business, whatever your business happens to be, because you put yourself out there. You put your face out there on the internet and that does come with a possible failure point in that when you make yourself the main talent, if anything happens to you or your ability to perform, what's gonna to happen to your business? It's gonna have some impact on your business. So this is something just to think about, not necessarily a red flag, but just something to think about when you're putting your business out there. If you are going to be the main talent or the only talent, understand that, as I said earlier, you are signing yourself up for a job that you can't quit. All right, this is a job. You're in it and you're in it until you can't do it anymore. All right, there's only one way out, if you understand what I'm saying. 
Let's move on to point number. Oh, Patricia, you got hey. a question? No, I was going to make a comment there because I think yeah. this is something that <laughs> book writers in particular, they like to skip this step. And they like to share their ideas in a vacuum, in a book, and forget that putting a book up on Amazon is not a strategy. It's, n it's not a way to amplify your message. You can write the best book on the planet and stick it on a lonely funnel or stick it up on Amazon. But if you're not willing to put a face, whether it's yours, somebody else's, an organization, to that message and amplify it and get past the discomfort you have of sharing it, nobody will ever know it exists. So I think it's so important and people have to understand how important is your impact. If it's important enough to spend months or whatever that takes, a year, whatever, to create your content, to create your book, it should be important to, enough to push past you know, those, those uncomfortable things. And there's so many different ways that you can be the face or the voice of your message um, and find something that's comfortable for you. So I think that's such an important point because I think it's something that creatives often like to want, they want to sit around and be creative and then just hope that people will find that creativity and, and cr create their own voice around it. So thank you for sharing that. And just in case anyone who came in the middle of me talking here, if you just flash your mic at any point, Patricia will cut me off and we'll go to you with your question or a comment here. So I don't have to uh, talk the entire time straight through here. So that point that you just made there, Patricia, here, where we're talking about talent and performance, this is basically when you go from being a creative to being a marketer. Because my book just came out a month ago. And that book coming out, yes, it is on Amazon, but I have not sent a single person to Amazon. I actually, I might have sent an email and told people to leave me a review on Amazon, but that's it. I am, I have made a bunch of media appearances. I got a bunch more scheduled on other people's platforms, such as uh, people's podcasts or if their podcast goes on YouTube, emails that I send out, advertisements that I run. Those are the, those are all part of the performance because who's, whose voice is going to be on that advertisement? Who's going to show up and be on that other person's podcast? Who's writing those emails to let people know, Hey, I have a book that just came out. Those things are part of the talent and part of the performance art because that is, again, what translates from me having this good thing that I know would help people to you actually knowing that it exists and getting my call to action that says, go and take this action. Go buy this book. Go sign up for this course. Go you know, pay shipping and get the book for free, whatever it is. So this talent is basically where we start to turn the corner from you being a creative to being a business person. Right? You don't want to be the, the starving artist. And there was a there was a book that came out years ago. I believe the guy's name was Goins, Real Artists Don't Starve. I think that was the name of the book. If anyone has read that, they can correct me on that. But I think that was the name of that book. But the, I love the concept of it was that you don't want to be the starving artist. Just because you're an artist doesn't mean you can't make money. But understand you had to accept the mindset of being a marketer and a salesperson at the same time. And we're going to get to that. So now we got the Oi. ideas person. Okay. Wait, wait, you know I like to cut you off, so this is uh, this is this so fun to be given permission. Um, somebody brought up a number of people, and I just want to acknowledge the people that have been brought on stage because I'm staring at your beautiful faces right now. 
If any of you had a comment or a question, if you want to flash your mic, um, we want to make sure we address it as he goes through this. So anybody that just recently came up on stage, feel free to flash your mic right now and we will cut Dre off and um, let you answer question, ask your question or make a comment. Anyone? All right, I guess they, they came to observe. I just wanted to make sure that um, we covered everybody. Go ahead, Dre. I think I'm just too perfect so far, Patricia. Nobody's going to interrupt me yet. So absolutely. All right. <laughs> all right. So all right. Now we got ideas person. The codification is number two. Number three is the talent performance. Number four is the producer. This is the production part of it. So now we know who's going to be out there. We know that you're the one who's going to write the book. You're going to have the you're going to be the person on the mic on the podcast. You're going to be the person in front of the camera on YouTube. Now the actual process of doing it. All right, capturing, shooting, recording the talent, writing it, all of those things have to take place. Somebody has to actually sit down and write the 50,000 words that are going to become your book. Someone has to record the interviews or the conversations or the soliloquies that are going to become your podcast show. Someone has to actually get on Clubhouse and speak to a room full of people in order for people to know that you exist. Someone has to actually you know, come up with the copy for those advertisements that you're going to run. This is the production part of it. This is the behind the scenes work these days. If you look on uh, YouTube or Instagram or maybe Facebook, you see a lot of creators are and influencers are putting out there behind the scenes. They're showing you, look at all the camera set up. Here's the lighting. Here's all the time that I'm spending sitting in my computer writing. Here's all the things that I'm working on right now. Here's my designing the sales page. This is all part of the production. This is the part that usually the consumers would never see, but now because we have social media, you get to see a lot of this and it can be it can be entertaining to see because you get to see all the work that goes on behind the scenes for a lot of uh, thought leaders and creators. And as far as I can tell, most of our work is the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, uh, stuff that you know about the stuff that you see. All right, that's just that's the fun part. And this is something that I talked about. Uh, I talk about when I talk about the very concept of the third day, whether I'm talking about in a speech or in my book, is that the reason why athletes, professional athletes, stop playing pro sports is not because we get tired of the games. If professional sports was just playing in games, I wouldn't be in this room right now. I'd be getting ready for a game right now. I wouldn't be playing pro sports. I'd still be playing pro sports. The reason why athletes stop playing is because of everything that you don't see. All the training, all the practices, all the off-season workouts, all the times in the cold tub, all the stretching, all the sports massages, the foam rolling, all the off-day workouts, Everything that happens that you don't see on TV, that's the reason why athletes stop playing. The very concept is called the third day, and that's part of the production. That is part of the production is, for example, football season just started. Right? So this, this past weekend, we had college football. This upcoming weekend, we don't have NFL football. We see the games on Saturdays and Sundays, but what's happening Monday through Friday, are, those are the things that drive athletes out of the game. Right, no athlete stops playing because they get tired of Sundays showing up to a, a stadium, 60,000 people cheering for them, and it's on TV, and you're getting paid to play a kid's game. Right, nobody stops because of that. The same thing in the, the thought leadership world. Nobody gets tired of uh, selling a book and making money from it or giving a speech, and somebody pays you $10,000 for talking for 60 minutes. Right, that's relatively easy. It's everything else that we have to do to make that happen that is the production. And this is the part of the game that makes the pros the pros. Who's going to handle this production part? And do you have a disciplined, structured, consistent process for your production so that when you get to the quote-unquote games, putting your book out, 
appearing on somebody's podcast, getting interviewed, getting a media appearance, doing a speaking gig. When you do get to the games, everything looks smooth and clean and crisp and it looks natural, but it's because of all the work you did in production behind the scenes. So do you have this process in place? This is very important for all professionals, especially in the thought leadership world. So those are, so that's point number four is the production. So we got ideas, codification, talent, and production. Now on to point number five, this is the editing. Well, wait, wait. we got we got some new yeah. people up on stage, Dre. All right, who we got? Linnell, did you have a comment or question for Dre? Linnell? I'm here, I couldn't find the mute button. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, calling me out, I appreciate it. Dre, so I wanted to know, I am not new to social media and you know the business portion, but I am new to the entire process of business. And so I'd like to know the, the four steps that you're outlining, what was the defining factor for you and how did you find the people that you needed in order to help everything be seamless and smooth? A great question, Winnell, it's a very deep question. Now, understand, you know, I have 10 points here. I'm only going through four of them so far, so there's still more to go. But as far as all of this, I think the most important one is probably when it comes to business, since that's the, the emphasis that you had in your, what I took from your question, it's probably going to be point number seven, which I haven't gotten to yet. But when I get there, I'll mention you again so you know this is the one that is most important. That's incredible. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah, thank you, Linnell. And Kayla, we brought Kayla up as well. Kayla, did you have a question or comment for Dre? All right, Dre, go ahead and uh, we'll circle back to Kayla. If she's got a question or comment, I'll let you know. All right, so, so far we got number one, ideas. Number two, codification. Number three, talent and performance. Number four is the production. Number five is the editing. Now the editing is the part that you take everything that you produced and then we, we tighten it up. All right, now we clean it up. Now we make it look something that is you know, quote unquote professional, even though everyone has a different idea of what that means, but cleaning up what we produce so that it looks like something that we are proud of, something that we want to put our brand and our name behind, something that the consumer can pick up and say, wow, somebody put some real time, effort, attention, energy, and focus into making this look like something that is worth what it costs, editing process. Now, when we're talking about books, specifically editing is a big deal. And uh, Patricia told many stories about book editing. I have my own. I remember when I, uh, I wrote a book, the traditionally published author, and I wrote the book in, I think I was contracted to write 50,000 words and I needed to have it in like 90 days. I wrote everything in like two weeks and there was 120,000 words and I just thought I was a genius and I sent it to them and they sent it back and said, all right, this needs a complete rewrite. And then we went and did the editing process and the editing process took another year and a half because we went back and forth so many times and so many different editors looking at everything. But the way that that book came out, my book, Work On Your Game, it came out great. I could turn to, I could open that book any day and flip to a random page and post a picture of it on Instagram. And I know that whatever it says on that page is exactly how I wanted it to be said and it will make perfect sense, even if that's the only page you read. And I even do that in my Instagram stories publishing it. 
So when it comes to the editing, especially on platforms such as if you're making videos, for example, with YouTube, if you're writing books, or even just your overall presentation of your business, your website, your funnels, who's going to be doing the editing? Who's going to make sure that everything's cleaned up? Who's going to check your copy and make sure that it looks right and it sounds right, that it flows properly? Who's going to make sure that your advertising copy is correct, that every word in your ad is earning its way onto the page or every word in your landing page or in your sales funnel? Who's going to edit your videos if you're going to make high production videos or anything like that? When it comes to the books, who's going to edit the book, make sure it sounds right and it reads right? All of this is part of the job as well. Now, this is one aspect when it comes to editing. This is one that I, this is probably the one that I like doing the least and the one that I will most quickly, most rapidly outsource and find someone else to do. So when it comes to my books, I get editors. When it comes to my videos and photos, I have editors and photographers. When it comes to anything else that I do, I have editors. Even when it comes to my wardrobe, I got an editor. I heard someone who helps me find the right kind of clothing that looks good on me so I look good in photographs and I look good on stage. I am not an editor. I am a creator. I'm a salesperson, but I am not an editor. I am not a behind-the-scenes person. I'm an, I am an in-front-of-the-camera person. So editing is definitely not for me, but editing needs to happen. So who is going to take everything that you've created and make it into a finished product? This editing is a huge thing. You may not like it. It may be very tedious and boring to you. It means you need to find someone else to do it, but it must be done by somebody. Now, Patricia, I know you're going to have a comment on this one before I move on. Yes. So <laughs> I do have a story on this one. It's actually sitting on my desk right now. But so one of the things with self-publishing versus traditionally publishing, we get these questions all the time of, you know, people will say, well, I haven't written my book because I'm trying to decide if I'm going to traditional or self-publishing traditional or self-published and they want to know the pros and cons and all of those things and dre and i both can agree the editors that you have access to when you have a traditional publishing contract are bar none they are amazing and so when you on your own projects whether it's a book or something else a lead magnet or something and you're looking for an editor i will tell you because i I've gone through a very painful process on trying to find editors to work with my authors because what will happen is when you go to hire an editor, they want the work. So you send for a 10 page sample edit and they are going to stroke you and tell you how absolutely amazing and fantastic you are because they want the work. They'll put some commas in and those kind of things. I, I tested this. I sent my stuff to 10 editors. I will tell you exactly what you will get if you were working with a traditional publisher. So with Simon and Schuster, I remember, I'll never forget this. I've told the story a hundred times. They called me on a Friday and they said, we've got your first draft edits ready for you. You're going to get a FedEx box today. We don't want to hear from you till Monday. And I thought, why the hell are they sending this to me in the mail with track changes and word and all these things you get. And it's because the box comes, it's the size of a yellow pages. They printed out your manuscript. They've taken every sticky note that you could find at an office supply store, made comments, shoved it in your manuscript, single space typed a letter that's seven to 10 pages long with all of the changes and recommendations they have for your manuscript. Then they have the nerve to tell you it's in really good shape. <laughs> and there's a reason. They give it to you on a Friday so that you can go through all the stages of grief, anger, doubt, all those different things, and that when you can look at it, I'm gonna use that word again, per with perspective, 
you're going to realize, well, they, they got some pretty good points here. So my recommendation is, and what I do now every time I talk to an editor for me or my clients is I tell them that story. You can borrow my story if you want. I share that story with them and I tell them, listen, I've got a husband and kids that will tell me I'm amazing. Usually, not always, but they'll tell me I'm amazing and tell me what I want to hear. I'm hiring you because I want you to tell me what I missed, what I don't want to hear. That's what you're paying for. And you need to set the precedent because editing is so important, whether it's a video, a book, anything that represents you and your brand is something that that is an investment you have to make. It's a professional investment that goes past Grammarly or any of these other tools. So I'm going to hop off my soapbox, but Dre, thank you for letting me share that story again, because it is, I am very passionate about this, but I think if you go into it, the great thing now about being a self-published author and why so many of us are transitioning, I, I released my agent this year. The reason so many of us are transitioning because they are they do have all these amazing tools and resources available to us that they didn't have 10 years ago. You can hire an editor, a cover designer, an interior formatter, a marketer, any type of person that works for a big five or used to publisher right now. You can hire them as a freelancer. We all have access to the exact same tools. So Dre, thank you for allowing me to... Um, deliver a sermon on editing, but I'm going to pass it back to you now. Yes, editing, I co-signed that. The editors at traditional publishers are their aces. They are, they are A players when it comes to their ability to edit. They are amazing, which is a headache when you're in the process of being the recipient of their edits. But in the end, when you read what ends up coming out from the editing process, they're great. And I want all of you, just to give you an analogy when it comes to editing, even if you're not writing a book right now, is the editor, what I'm talking about in this sense here, could be a book editor, but an editor is basically the polisher. All right, this point five here, this is the person who's going to polish you up and make you, take you from good to great, in other words. This is the person who can take what you have and they're going to make some changes. They're going to smooth out some rough edges and make you and take you to that A level. You might be B plus right now, but they're going to make you look A plus just because of the edits that they make. And sometimes it's the smallest thing that can make that difference. For example, I was watching this, uh, this Tom Brady documentary they had on Facebook a couple of years ago. And Tom Brady's won all these Super Bowls and it was before he went to Tampa Bay. And he had flew out to California and hired this coach, a quarterback coach to help him get like 1% better at his throwing motion. Now, this is a guy who already had five or six Super Bowl rings, but he was still going and finding these people to help him brush up on the littlest things. And that's the concept that I'm talking about here in point number five is the editor. Who's that person that can take what you have and just make it a little bit better or just marginally better in such a way that the average eye would not even notice, but everybody can feel the difference. That's what I mean when I'm talking editing here when it comes to your business. So we got number one ideas, number two, your codification, number three, the talent performance, number four, producer, number five is your editing. And point number six is the publisher, as Patricia was just talking about, the publishing. The publishing is the process of taking everything you've done, points one through five, and now you actually get to put it out to the world. Oh, in case you didn't know, yes, you haven't put anything out yet. You went through points one through five, nothing is even out yet. Nobody even knows that you exist. 
Point number six is the first time that people actually are aware that you are living and breathing. This is when you publish your material. This is when you put it out on YouTube or you put your podcast on Apple and Spotify or you put your book on Amazon where you're going to publish it. The great thing about what we have going today is that anybody can publish themselves. Like We are publishing ourselves. This is basically Clubhouse is basically like live radio right now. Podcasting is the radio. YouTube is the new TV. Self-publishing is the publishing industry. Blogging is a short version of that. So we can all publish ourselves. However, as Patricia can attest to, and many of you also who are on the stage as well, is that the publishing is not such a simple idea for so many people. Many people have questions. Okay, well, how do I publish myself? Where do I put my book out? What do I have to do? What are the requirements for you know, submitting my book to Amazon? What size does the cover have to be? A lot of people don't know these things, what has to be, what has to be done, and they don't even understand the specifications even when you direct them to the information. So who is going to be responsible for the publishing of actually putting your stuff out there into the world? This is a job in itself, the publishing. Who's going to get the audience for the public to see or get your work out to the audience. Now, maybe they haven't seen it yet, but who's going to make sure that it's available and discoverable? That is the job of the publisher. So that's the sixth point, and I'm going to uh, speed up a little bit here so we can get through these 10 points. And if nobody has a question, I'll move right on to number seven. And this is the one, who was that that asked the question? Winnell, this is the one that you were asking about. Number seven. <laughs> marketing. This is the key point. This is the one, what marketing is, is where you amplify your message so that people can actually see it and people actually know that you're out there. Publishing means your book is on Amazon. And actuality means pretty a little bit more than nothing. It doesn't mean absolutely nothing, but it means a little bit more than nothing. Marketing is where things start to actually matter. Marketing is your overall strategy and mentality around how do I get people to know that I exist and build a relationship with my prospective audience so that they can possibly buy from me now and in the future? That is what marketing is. And every creator needs to understand that by becoming a creator, you have also become a marketer. Are you signed up for being a marketer when you become a creator, whether you know it or not? The only way you can sell anything is someone has to market it. Someone has to find the audience, build a relationship with that audience, nurture that audience because not everybody is going to buy from you the first time they see you. I know you saw the movie, you had me at hello, or it doesn't work like that when you're selling stuff, or you don't have me at Amazon. All right, you got to sell me. You have to make sure that I know who you are, know what you're about, know what you're bringing to the table, what you are into, what you're not into, why your product matters to me, and why your book is worth my $20. Why is your course worth my $500? Why is your live event worth my $1,500? Why is your retreat worth my $5,000? I need to know. And that is your job as a marketer is to continue to build this relationship. Because even if you sell me once, the next time you want to sell me something, listen, I've been buying stuff from eight other people in between the last time you put something out. Why should I buy something from you now? Why does your new book matter to me? I read your last book and it was great, but this new book sounds like, I don't know, sounds like more of the same. All right, why should I buy it? It's your job to tell me. It's your job to answer that question. Marketing is the bridge between you having great material and you having a business and customers who know that you have great material. It's a bridge between you knowing your stuff is great and someone other than you and your grandma knowing that your stuff is great. That is what marketing is. Does anyone have a, a question or comment, Linnell, Patricia, on that one before I move on? I, I think I, you, 
that Dre, uh, this is Linnell, because I come from a network marketing base. That's that's what I've done for most of my adult career. However, I'm looking to market myself as the brand. And I, these steps that you're giving, it's so helpful because I wasn't sure exactly which direction to go in. And I thank you so much for doing this because you're, you're just, you're dropping nuggets that I'm picking up, sir. Were you about to say something? Nope, go ahead. So the whole job of marketing is this is what we're doing on right now. Everyone who, as soon as you unmic and speak, you're marketing yourself, whether you know it or not. Even if you're asking a question, you're marketing yourself. When you post something on social media, you are marketing. When you email your audience, you're marketing. When someone writes an email to you, a customer service email, and you respond, I bought the wrong product, but I need a refund, or there's some challenge with my shipping, all of those are marketing. Every single interaction you have with your audience is marketing, and you are either making that relationship stronger or you're making that relationship weaker with every single interaction you have with your audience. There is no neutral when it comes to marketing. So do you have a, every business person needs to have a strategy for how you are going to continue to build and nurture relationships. And you always, there's also part of your marketing strategy is what's going to be your process for continually bringing new people into your world. Is it going to be content? Is it going to be advertising? Is it going to be collaboration? In other words, sharing other people's platforms because you have value to offer them, but there needs to be something consistent about that because you always want to be bringing new blood into your your mix into your world so that some old people are going to fall off in your funnel. Now you always have new people coming into your funnel. Hopefully you have more people coming in than you have going out. That way your business is always growing. So this is the job of marketing. So our first seven points here, just to, so far, number one ideas, number two, structure codification, number three, talent and performance, number four, production, number five, editing, number six, publishing, number seven is marketing. Now on to point number eight. Now number eight is promotion. Now, promotion and marketing are not exactly the same thing. Promotion is part of marketing. Marketing is your bigger picture. How do we get people to know about us and keep building their relationship? Promotion is one aspect of marketing, at, such as, as is advertising is an aspect of marketing. Promotion is a way that you are going out and letting people know what you have going on, and you're just asking for their time. You ask them for a little bit of time, a little bit of their attention, they give you five seconds, three seconds, whatever the length of, what do they say attention span is these days? Seven seconds, whatever it is, 1.5 seconds, whatever it is. That's how much time they're giving you. And that's the time that you have to promote yourself, to let people know, hey, I exist. This is what I'm doing. All right, you should come check this out. If you want to see an example of this, every time a new movie is coming out, you see the stars of the movie, they go on a press tour. Right? They're on the radio. They're on nowadays' podcasts, YouTubing. They're on, they get in clubhouse rooms and what are they doing? They're just making sure that you see them. They're going to talk about whatever they're going to talk about and they're going to make sure they plug, hey, I got this movie coming out. Here's what it's about. And they talk about the movie for maybe 30 seconds. But the whole point is they're doing this promotion so that you know that they're out there. You know that they're, they're doing this thing. The local radio stations will have some kind of meetup somewhere in town, wherever you live, and they'll be giving out free hot dogs and you know, have fun and games for the kids. What's the whole point is for you to be a listener of that radio station so they can sell ads on this. So they can sell ads when it's time to pay the bills. Promotion is just a way that you let people know that you exist. And often the talent, whoever that talent's going to be from point number three here, 
they need to be involved in this because you're the face of the product. You're the face of the business. People want to see that face of the business individual, and that is part of your promotion. Another example is um, I'm be going to the Funnel Hacking Live conference in a couple of weeks. Uh, Russell Brunson's the face of things over there at ClickFunnels. He's not even the CEO of his own company that he's a co-founder of, but he's the face of it. That conference, I would bet they spend more money putting that conference together than they make. But they, so they take a loss on putting that conference together, even though you might pay $1,000 for the ticket. It costs a lot to put those together. But he does that and puts his face out there because it builds a deeper relationship with his audience. And he knows the more he shows his face and the better relationship he builds with his audience, the less likely any of them is ever to stop using ClickFunnels. And in the long run, they actually make money, even though in the short term, they lose money in doing that event. So that's part of their, it's a promotional event for them. I do not think that's a money maker for them. Just my assessment, but Patricia, you were about to make a comment. Yeah, actually Kate has a question for you, Dre. So Kate, are you available to ask Dre your question? Yeah, thank you, Patricia. And yeah, this is so awesome. I, I popped in when, when you were talking about the editing. Um, Dre, this is great. I'm, I question about the editing piece. Um, I, if you're in a position where I'm, I'm kind of finished with the book, well, I'm almost finished with the book and I'm really looking for someone who can look at it and do kind of what Patricia described, which is like, show me where those pieces are that I really need to kind of flesh out a little bit more, what makes sense, what doesn't. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on, on using services. Like a friend of mine told me about this service called like Scribendi. One of those where you like put it, you actually submit the work and it's almost like an out. I'm assuming it's kind of like Upwork or an outsourced platform like that. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that or if you've used something like that for any of your content. I would defer to Patricia to answer that question. Patricia, you have something on that? <laughs> Thank you, Dre. Um, so I have not. Um, I'm super super picky on the editing more than I am in any other piece because I feel like when it comes to our books, it's our IP. It's really the representation of our brand as long as we're going to do what Dre said earlier, which is that we're going to put a face to it and we're going to amplify that message. And so I would really hesitate to send it to some random like person that I have not vetted. Um, you know, you can use a service like Readsy, which is R-E-E-D-S-Y, and it's a source not only for information in general, even if you're not looking to hire anyone, but where a lot of professionals who maybe used to work in the traditional publishing industry or um, still do, or even people that, you know, are just credentialed to provide editing services, and so when we look at editing, what we're looking at is if you want, so for example, if we write a book and we take a lot of transcription and speeches and, um, you know, we kind of do this, what I would call it, like kind of a dump. And we know that our book maybe needs a lot of shaping. Then what we're looking for is a developmental editor, which is that's the most expensive um, investment from an editing standpoint. And um, if you want to DM me, I'm happy to kind of give you like what the average rates are for those kind of things. But it's usually a per word cost. 
And that's where you really, you're almost have a partner. So like I'm a book coach. And so what I consider myself is when people work with me, they're getting the developmental edit during the process. Like we're, there's, there's no gaps. Like when we hand it over to an editor, it's in really good shape. So what we're looking at more is like a copy edit and a copy edit. They will also go through and make comments and stuff, but they're usually not going to go in and say, you have a huge hole in chapter two and that needs to move to chapter four and your methodology doesn't make sense. Like they're not usually necessarily digging into all the technical aspects, but they will tell you, you're not using this word, right? This is unclear. You haven't laid the foundation for this yet. A copy editor will tell you those things. A copy editor is where many people need to start. Um, developmental edit, a lot of the like fiction writers will use developmental editors a lot of times, but so copy edits there in the middle. And then um, typically when you hire like a copy editor, what they will do is they'll do one round and they'll give you um, it back like in track changes or something. And you'll make all those big changes and then you'll give it back to them and they'll go through it again and come back to you again. And then you kind of, there's usually not that many things to change. And then um, you'll give it to them and they will lay it out for an interior formatter. So they'll make sure it's spaced correctly. Um, you, I mean, you can't even imagine. I, I think that I've got the headings in the right place and the fonts and this and that. There's so many little intricacies, but so they'll get it ready for you for the interior formatter. And then you, this is what a good editor would do. This is what you should look for is then you hand it to the interior formatter and you go through that process with it. They lay it out, they give it back to you and then you give it back to the editor. Not all editors will do all three pieces, won't do the final proofread, but if you need a good editor, you can DM me. I've got some great ones, um, but they'll do the final proofread of the interior formatting because and I'm telling you, the thing is, is with a, even a traditionally published book, you're going to find mistakes. It's just, it's the people are human, but in the interior formatting process, oftentimes people will drop a letter because they're designers, interior formatters are designers. But anyway, that is how kind of the editing process works. So what I would look for, if you feel like it's in good shape, like if you were working with a traditional publisher, this is what my first draft, I would hand this in as the first draft and feel pretty good about it. Then I would look for a copy editor. And I would look somewhere like Readsy, or there's a great association called the Authors Guild, um, which is amazing. And Authors Guild is also awesome because they're totally non-biased. And also, if you ever get into a contract situation, so I actually got my, my book deal with Simon & Schuster without an agent. It was kind of a weird situation. I was lucky. And then I panicked. I'm like, I don't even know if this is a good deal. And I, I signed up for Authors Guild, which was like 90 bucks or something. And they have a legal team there. So you can on the spot drop whatever you've got from a legal perspective. And even if it's like Mallory was talking about, like if you're sharing a story and there's a legal ramification of the people you're sharing it, you can send it to them and their team will look over it. But they also have listings of kind of non-biased professional services around your book. But I would be more apt to go with something like that than kind of a, a service that then outsources, then outsources, then because you could very easily, very easily, your manuscript can end up in being edited by somebody where English is not their primary language. 
and then they're just running it through like Grammarly or, or something like that. So hopefully that's helpful, but feel free to DM me if you want, you know, some names and stuff too as well, Kate. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right, so we got a couple minutes left here, so perfect time for point number nine here. And the 10 roles of you incorporated is sales. After all of this, now you actually finally make some money for what you are doing because the marketing, well, first of all, the production is when you create the thing, the editing polishes it, the marketing builds the relationship, the promotion lets people know it exists. The sales is when you actually start to exchange what you have for what they have. You get something, they get something. You haven't made any money until that exchange takes place. They give you the money, you give them the product or the service or whatever the offer happens to be. This is where the money comes in finally. All of these other roles need to be filled and filled consistently for you to make money and make money consistently. And sales is a skill in itself. They say sales is a, a transfer of emotion. So they say sales is, it's just, it's a skill. Let's just say that. There's a lot of things we can say about sales. We don't have time to go too deep into this. But this is a skill that especially people who are naturally creators, if you're naturally an artist or a writer or a person who you just like to make videos, you like to put, to, uh, put things out there, you like to be entertaining, you need to de develop the ability to market yourself, which is build relationships, get known, seen and heard, and the ability to sell, which means letting people know this is what I have. Here's what it takes to get it. You need to give me this. I will give you that. You don't have to say it in those words. Maybe you could try that. It might work. But that is the sales process. And until you sell anything, you have not made any money. You can do all of that working, but the sales come in there. And the last point, I'll just jump right to number 10 here, is servicing. Service your audience. This is the nurturing of the people who have bought from you. So once someone has bought from you, your work is not done. Your work is actually just beginning because your best customers are your repeat customers. People have already opened their wallets and paid you and they got something of value. Hopefully they, you, they got something of value. You continue to service those people because those are your warm leads. You do not have to spend money to market to them again. And that's where you really start making money is when you have repeat customers because you don't have to pay to bring them in. They're not cold and they will keep buying from you until you either stop selling to them or until you do something to piss them off. So that is the service. So let me recap all 10 of these points. We got exactly a minute left here and I'll pass it right back to you, Patricia. Number one, the ideas person. Number two, structuring and codification of your knowledge. Number three, the talent and performance. Number four, the producer. Number five, editing and polishing of your work. Number six, the publishing, put it out to the world. Number seven, marketing, amplifies your message. Number eight, making sure people know that you, ex that promotion, making sure people know that your product service offering exists. Number nine is the selling. That's where you finally make money. Number 10, servicing your buyers. And the last point, number 11, you need every single one of these roles to be filled in order to run your own media company successfully and sustainably. And I will pass it back to Patricia. Thank you. Right on time, Dre. And thank you for those 10 tips. It was amazing. And I just want to thank everybody for joining us. It's been two hours. And I hope that you've learned something today about building your brand with a book. We are here every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And next week, um, one of the topics we're going to be actually talking about is collaboration and partnership when it comes to writing your book and also creating community. 
Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.